Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. Well, God sure is good. Can we give him a big amen for that right now? Come on, give him a big hand clap of praise this morning. My God, amen, amen. Well, I want to give each and every one of you just a big thank you for everyone who came last weekend to our uh, Christmas services, the, the, the big services. Um, through four services, almost uh, close to 900 people came through in four services, 874, I think. And, you know, we really didn't do a salvation call last week, but 10 people uh, acknowledged that they gave their life to Christ. And we just thank God for that right now. Praise God for people who are being saved. So um, next Sunday is, is New Year's Eve, and so our service times will be the same as always, 9 and 11 next Sunday. And then uh, the following week on January 7th, we're planning to start a new series of messages, a series called Freedom. And I think this is going to be a series that... that um, will be very helpful for each of us as we start the year to think about how it is that we can um, find freedom from those things that have been holding us back, how we can live in freedom. And I believe God really wants to bless you and encourage you and maybe even challenge you because those of you who have been with us for a while know that every year in January, uh, we spend about three weeks doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if, if you're new to us here at Compassion, you say, what is that? Well, Back in November, we talked about uh, tithing and giving, and tithing is more than giving money. It's about giving God your first and your best. And I really believe that it has more to do with your heart than it does with what you give. And so when you make that decision that I'm going to give God my first, it honors God and he blesses that. So at the beginning of the year, every year, we determine that we are going to set aside three weeks in January and give those 21 days to God in a time of prayer and fasting. Now, it's up to you to decide how you're going to fast. I'm not asking all of y'all to quit eating for three weeks. We'll talk more about that as we go. But I would encourage you to start doing some study on your own. Find something that, that you feel like God is encouraging you to give up so that you can draw closer to him. It may be a change in your diet. It may be a change in your social media. Whatever it is, do your own little study on that. Talk with God. But make a plan over those 21 days. Whatever you eat, whatever you don't eat, make a plan to get closer to God, spend more time with him. Watch how it will change uh, your life and the rest of this year. So that's starting on January the 7th. A lot of other things going on. You can look at the back of your bulletin for things like baptisms and child dedications. All of that's there in your bulletin. This morning, I want to talk to you from a message with a very simple title, wait. I want to talk to you about wait. Um, don't you just sometimes despise that word? Who, who do you know that loves to wait on anything, right? We're a microwave generation, especially now. We thought we were years ago, but, but we want things when we want them. Um, how many of y'all are sitting beside someone who is a very patient waiter? Yeah. <laughs> okay, two hands. Great, right. What does that say about the rest of y'all? Um, in this season of my life, December 24th, Christmas Eve is not quite so filled with tension as it was a long time ago, right? Like tonight, we'll plan on having some family over. We'll have dinner, wrap some presents, probably Christmas movies, all that stuff. And then we'll go to bed, sleep, get up in the morning. How many of y'all know it is not that way for a seven-year-old? Come on, somebody. 
<laughs> Growing up, man, it used to be, it used to be go to my grandma's house, families around, we'd have dinner. It was always awesome to be Christmas Eve because the, the aunts and uncles and the grandmas and the grandpas would give you some presents. You got to do a little pre-open, get a little something, something on Christmas Eve. But the big day is the next day. And Christmas Eve, December 24th, has to be the longest night of the year for any seven-year-old kid. Would you agree with that? Man, I remember going home from my grandmother's house and uh, our parents would get us off to bed pretty quickly, you know. And so, I mean, you in the bed, it's like nine o'clock or something. It's like, it's going to be the longest night and y'all already shooing me off in here? Can't we stay up and watch the news or something? Hear Bob and Brenda in there, I mean, excuse me, Santa Claus was rustling around, uh, moving some stuff, right? You hear all this stuff moving around, what in the world's going on? And then at some point in the night, finally it starts to quieten down. Finally, it starts to quieten down. Then you got to wait a little while longer to make sure everybody is kind of, you know, asleep. And I can remember the living room in the house I grew up in, a little brick ranch house, everything on one level. My bedroom was right across from a, a room that was called the living room. I don't know why it was the living room because we never lived in it. Only time we ever went in there was Christmas. Everything would get quiet. I would tiptoe across, man open that door up real quiet, peek in to see what was around that tree. I remember one year, boy, big old yellow three-speed bicycle with a banana seat and a ooga-ooga horn on the front of it. Well, y'all don't know nothing about a three-speed. Then I had to go get back in the bed. Man, I'm sitting there like, dude, it's two o'clock. Can we not just do this thing? Let's go. What are we doing? Had to wait on morning time to come. It made it even worse. My mom worked third shift and she always wanted, she'd get off at like eight o'clock, want us to wait till she got home. Mama, I'm sorry. It's going to be a mess under the tree when you get in. We opening some stuff. You ever feel that way in your normal life? Like, man, why do I have to wait so long on things? Why do I have to wait? Why can't I have it now? Why can't I have it now? Well, you know what? That, that conversation, you may say, Jeff, I thought this was a Christmas message. Well, it, it does. It intersects with the whole Christmas story. And that's where I want to go this morning. Um, in our lives, we often say to God, God, why can't I have it now? I want it now. I want a, I want a, I want a spouse, God. Why can't I be married now? Somebody asked me that this morning. Why, why can't I have a spouse? Well, work on yourself a little bit. Get you ready. Then you'll be ready to get her ready. Why can't I have a career change? I'm sick of being here. God, I've lived in this, this house where we've been renting. I, I want a home. Why can't I have it now, God? We ask him quite. We don't like to wait about things. What about an adventure? God, I'm bored. I'm tired. I want to do something different. Or maybe if health is a concern for you, maybe you're asking God, God, why can't, why can't I be healthy now? Why can't you take this away from me? God, I just want to be happy. Why can't I have it now? Huh? God. It's 2 a.m. Let's do this thing. I've been waiting. Well, Christmas is a great time to think about those questions that we ask in our life. And so I want to answer this question. I'm not probably won't answer it, but I want to give you some answers, some responses to this question. Why does God make us wait? I want to show you five things quickly this morning. I'm not going to take an awful lot of time, probably no more than an hour and a half, two hours to get through this. So uh, <laughs> why does God make us wait? Let's look at five things real quick. And let's, let's start here with the Christmas part of the story found in not a traditional Christmas place, but here's the thing. God always acts at the perfect time. Would anybody say amen to that? God, y'all yeah, didn't say that too enthusiastically. You want God to act when you want him to, I get it, but he always acts at the perfect time. And if you look at Galatians four verses four and five, it says, but when the time 
had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. A lot of theology in that verse, um, born under the law to redeem those under the law. And I just want to say this morning, I thank God that we don't live in a time when we are still under the law of Moses, right? We're not under the Old Testament law and, the, and all of the, the covenants because Jesus being born in the manger, going to the cross, giving his life, he paid the price, paid the sacrifice. And this is what Paul is saying to the Galatians, that, that we're no longer under that law, but now we live in a season of grace. And that grace means that, that we have free access to the Lord. But, but how did all of that happen? Well, he says in the beginning of that verse that at the, at the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son. You think about that manger scene and Joseph and Mary and the, and the pilgrimage they had to make and, and then going to Egypt and then starting their home, coming back and, and everything with Jesus growing up. All of those things, all of that happened at just the right time. It happened at just the right time with, with everything that was going on in the world. Like, for example, the Romans were in power and, and the Romans ruled the world militarily. They were conquering everywhere they went. And so when they went into a country or a, a village or a, wherever they went, they would essentially draft people out of that area to join their army so that they would grow. So what happens when they go into Jerusalem and people uh, in that time who had heard Jesus later on after Jesus's life, death, etc would be drafted into the Roman army and the Roman army would send these new Christians later on around the world. Guess how, guess how the gospel made it to Europe because Rome was conquering everywhere and the people were taken into different parts. Now there's a lot of other reasons that it happened. There was oppression, etc. but it happened at the perfect time. It also happened at the perfect time because the Greeks the Greeks, right? Um, philosophical, all of those things. The Greeks were at the center of the culture of the world. Everybody wanted to know what the Greeks knew. And so, so from a cultural standpoint, the Greeks spoke an everyday language called Koine Greek. And it was a, it was a language that pervaded so many people groups. And so if you can imagine, if you go back to the Tower of Babel, if you've read that in the Old Testament, and God confused the languages of all the nations. When Jesus was born, and in the time of Jesus' life and afterward, the days of Paul, Koine Greek was the, the, the language of the people, and it made it easy for people to talk. Why am I telling you this? Because in the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent his son into the world. Um, if you go back into the Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, Daniel, yeah, you read the story of, of, of Daniel in the, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You read the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But as you read on through the book of Daniel, um, Daniel was a prophet. And, and one of the prophetic pieces of the book of Daniel is fascinating. It's Daniel's 77s is what it's called, 70 weeks, which uh, really equates to 77 series of 70 years. And theologians have, have traced all the way back to this prophecy. 500 years before Jesus was born, Daniel predicted these 70 weeks and the culmination of those 70 weeks happened on the week when Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem to go to the cross. At the fullness of time, God sent his son. All of his promises lined up. Uh, it was a time when the Romans uh, ruled the world militarily. It was a time when the Greek culture was in, 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 in fullness. Now, how is all of that more than just a history lesson to us? Because it can be. I can throw all of that at you and you can glaze over and say, yeah, 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 that's interesting. But in the fullness of time, at just the right time, 
The voice of God either has or will or is showing up in your heart and your life. For some of you this morning, my guess is the voice of God has been chasing you, pursuing you for some time. And he's not mistimed his pursuit of you. He's not mistimed the events that's happening in your life. For some of you, man, God's been letting you, letting you have a little bit more rope and a little bit more rope and a little bit more rope because he knows that, that if he allows things to stay the way they are, you're never going to hear his voice. But sometimes it means that we have to get to the end of our rope to be in a place where our hearts are ready to hear the voice of God. At just the right time, God shows up in our lives. Here's the second thing. God makes the waiting worthwhile. We don't like to wait, but God makes the waiting worthwhile. Raise your hand if you enjoy waiting. Yeah, right. That's what I thought. Look at Proverbs 13, 12. Interesting verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred, meaning that, that I'm hoping for something, but I can't have it right now. I have to wait on it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You mean I've got to wait till eight o'clock in the morning when mama comes home to get on that big yellow bicycle with a banana seat and a ooga horn? Yes, you do. Makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Man, that first little maiden voyage I took on that thing had the bull horns on it, had to figure out how to get from first gear to second to third gear. My heart was a tree of life. Had me a new yellow bicycle. I could go anywhere I wanted to go. That was a good day. Such a practical verse of scripture. Um, if you've ever said, man, I'm just so sick of waiting. Um, when you thought something was going to happen one day and it didn't, it just kind of makes your heart sick. It makes your heart drop. But, but God makes the waiting worthwhile. God makes the waiting worthwhile. God, God knows what he's doing. When God makes us wait, guess what it does? It builds anticipation. When God makes us wait, it builds expectation, right? When, when God makes us wait, it builds drama, the good kind of drama. I know we always say we hate drama, we hate drama, but it's that, it's that buildup, it's that buildup, it's that buildup. When God makes us wait, he is increasing the anticipation. It's like those Hallmark Christmas movies y'all been watching. Don't look at me like you hadn't too. It's the anticipation. You know what's going to happen, right? I mean, she comes back into town, been gone working in California for a while, runs by the grocery store, and there he is. Huh. They dated in high school, but he married Carol. And now, well, he's married, and so she's just going to go on and run her Fortune 500 business in this little small town in southeast Louisiana, right? And she's running her business and he's over there and an hour and 45 minutes, you're watching this whole thing. Wait a minute. What if they could get back together? Could it happen? Could they get back together? Your hope is deferred because Carol and John can't be together because he's married. But wait a minute. What? He got divorced. He's back on the market. Hope. There's hope. They could get together. And then 15 minutes before it ends, they run into each other and the light's just right. And he looks into her eyes. I've been waiting for you all this time. Oh, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Come on, somebody. That's probably enough of that. Let, let's just go to the next one. I think y'all get that one. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> let's go to the next one. God is looking for your faith while you wait. 
God is looking for your faith while you wait. I don't want you to miss this. I know y'all are wrapped up in Carol and Johnny. It's, they're, going, they're going to live a good long life. It's good. And if you miss that one, by the way, just tune right back in. There's another one coming right behind it. <laughs> God is looking for your faith while you wait. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3 says, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Listen, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Though it waits, though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Let me ask you a question. What is that thing that, that if you had a little bit of time to just push back on all the noise, and just to think about what God's been speaking into your heart. What is that thing inside of you that you know that God has been speaking to you? And you've been quieting it down. You've been running from it. You, you've been ignoring it. What is that thing? There's a revelation that God has been giving to you. Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets. What am I saying to you, man? This verse or these couple of verses are telling you exactly what you are supposed to do. Write it down. You're going to have some time in January, but I would encourage you right now, between now and January 1st, start dialing into that voice of God that's been speaking to your heart. There's something that you need to fix that's been broken for a long time, and you've been ignoring the voice of God. Maybe he's telling you it's time to fix that thing. There's something that God wants you to do that you've been saying, I can't do that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the education. I'm not, a, I'm not able to do that. Write it down. Make it plain. Make it plain. You see, when, when they would give a message to a messenger and he has to run with that message from, from the king to the battlefield, we don't need some, some mumbo jumbo. We need short bursts of words that are very clear instruction. Advance, retreat, whatever the words may be. What is it that God's putting in your heart? And he's saying, write it down and make it plain. As you go towards January, maybe you've been going through a season of waiting and God wants to test your faith in it. Say, so how, how, how do I pass that test? Write it down. Make it plain. I wonder what God would do if you spent 21 days, 31 days, whatever it is, writing down the thing that you have been desperate for. Maybe there's something that, that maybe it's not that God's put it on your heart to do it or to fix it, but maybe there's something that your heart is desperate for. Have you told God about it or have you just worried about it? Have you just whined about it? If you write it down, make it plain. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to start today. Don't wait on the 21 days to start between now and the first of the year. <clears throat> Ask God to make it clear in your heart what it is that he wants you to do. Ask God to make it clear in your heart what it is that you're asking him for. Now do this. Get, listen, make this a special deal. Don't just go grab some, some, some El Vallarta menu that's sitting in the side of your car and write it down on it. Go, go get you a, a little notebook or go get you a fancy new journal or and a, a good little pen. Get, get something that you're excited about using. Go spend a few dollars on it. And then start writing down in this thing every day. And here's what I want you to do. Write it down. The thing that God's put on your heart, write it down. I want you to make it as plain as you can make it. God, I believe that you've told me to dot, dot, dot. Write it down. Put it where, if it's something that embarrasses you, put it somewhere where nobody can find it. Write it down. Make it plain. And then here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to start praying every day for it. If you feel like God has put it on you and you don't know how to do it, start praying that he will bring the provision. If you feel like it's something that, that you desire and that it's of God, but you just don't know, write it down and he'll make it plain. Here's what I want you to do as you pray. As you pray, now listen, you got to hear this part. We don't pray and ask God to bless our plans. We pray and ask God to make his plans clear to us. So what I'm saying is as you write it down and as you pray, take your hands off of it. God, this is something that, that, that I really, I really think I want. And I think it's of you, God. But if it's not, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, God. I'm asking you for this. And if it's your will, Lord, make it happen. If it's not, would you make it plain to me? Does that make sense, church? There is value and benefit in taking time, getting along with God, writing these things down, put it in his hands, and trust him. Here's the next thing. God can use waiting to test your heart. God can use waiting to test your heart. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. You know, I've messed this up so many times, y'all. I have messed this up so many times, and my guess is some of you have too. Don't want to wait. Don't like waiting. I want to do what I want to do. How many of y'all have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, just you, you, you've, you've wanted something to happen, and instead of waiting on it, you go kicking in doors that you were never meant to start kicking on those doors. And guess what happened? God let that door slam wide open and let you walk right through the thing. Guess what God will do? He will let you walk through a door that he never meant for you to walk. You know why? Because it's called free will. And if he didn't give you that free will and that freedom of choice, you would just be a robot. God wants to know that you love him and that you want to choose him over everything else. I've messed this up so many times, man. Want something, think that's what I'm supposed to do, kick a door in, walk through it, only to find out later that if I had just slowed my roll a little bit, just waited on the Lord, he would have made all things clear. You know, that's hopefully the benefit of getting older. Maybe one of the benefits is that, that we learn from those mistakes. Some of y'all haven't been down that road. I would love to spare you from having uh, those problems that come from kicking in doors that you were never supposed to kick in. That free will is a great thing, but it can backfire on you. He says, he says to wait on the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait on the Lord. Last thing, God has been waiting on you. See, it's not just us that wait. God's been waiting on you. Look at 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. He says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Can I just stop right there for just a minute? For all of you praying mamas and praying daddies in here, you think about a child, an adult child, a, a growing up child or whatever. For those of you who feel like, God, I've been praying forever for my family for my children, for my spouse. God, I've been praying forever. What does he say? A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to God. He's not, he's not ignoring you. He's not not hearing your prayer. He's just waiting on the fullness of time to come. He hears your prayer. He's listening to your prayers and he's gonna answer your prayers at the right time. But people also have free will. See, God's been waiting on that person that you've been praying for. But for some of you in here this morning, it's not who you've been praying for. For some of us today, God's been waiting on you. Keep reading. 
Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I wonder where you are this morning before your creator in this area of repentance. What do you mean, Jeff? Well, Christmas isn't just about a baby coming to a manger. The reason that he came to the manger was so that he could go to an old rugged cross that looks nothing like our sparkly, beautiful cross. It was old and rugged and wooden. And that baby would grow to be a boy and the boy would grow up to be a man and the man would go to a cross. And he would go to the cross to give his very life so that each and every one of us, when we come face to face with our sin, would have an out. He went to that cross to pay the price for us so that our sins could be wiped away and so that we could stand before a holy God, holy and perfect in him, not in our righteousness, but in his. And it says in this verse that we've just been reading, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. You say, what does that mean? Does repent just mean that I tell God that I, I made some bad decisions? No, it doesn't. Repentance means that realize and I acknowledge that the way that I'm living is taking me away from God. I've grown cold to his voice. I'm walking in a direction that's not towards him. I'm doing things that really doesn't involve God at all when he's waiting on me all the time. Repentance means I'm going this way. I'm going away from him, but it's a change, a changing of the mind that says, I'm not going to keep going that way anymore. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to start running towards God and I'm going to start walking with him. And what you find, as soon as you make that turn, if you read the story of the prodigal son, what does it say? It said the father ran to meet him with open arms. God's not asking you to clean up all of your messes this morning. What he's asking you to do, if you're walking away from him, turned away from him, he's asking you to realize that he came into this world so that your part in all of this is simply to make that turn. Turn your face towards him. And when you do, his love runs to you, grabs you, overwhelms you, changes your life, puts your feet on a pathway that leads you to hope and promise and adventure and all the things that he's created you for. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Man, I love a Christmas tree sparkling in the house. I love the lights on. I love to go see the light show. I like to listen to Elvis sing Blue Christmas. Come on, somebody. I love it all. Love Santa Claus. No, we're not pagans, but we do love Santa Claus. And man, I love the reason Jesus came into this world. For a lost sinner like me. Somebody say amen. Huh? My God. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. Lord, this morning, we are nothing less than amazed at who you are. God, we're so thankful that you have come into our world. Lord, this morning, I thank you for this word of salvation, a word of repentance, God. Lord, while we're waiting on you, you also are waiting on us. Lord, this morning, as we come to a close of our service, before we go any further, I just want to give you room to move in this. We've not just come here for a service, but we've come here to have an encounter with you. And Jesus, right now, in this moment, I just ask you to work in the hearts of your people. If there's anyone here today who who has never made that turn and given you control of their life, 
saved them from their sins, repented, and started working with you. I pray that you'll do that right now, just through their acknowledgement to you. And I'm going to keep praying, but before I do, I just want to ask you, if that's you, anybody in this room, and you want to take hold of Jesus this morning, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. But Jesus says, if you will acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father this morning. If God's been convicting you and you know that it's your day to repent of your sin, give your heart to Jesus and begin walking with him, and you want to do that right now, just right there in your seat, would you just raise your hand and say, Lord, take hold of my hand. I want you, Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. Amen. Amen. I see those two hands over on the side. Amen. Amen. I see that hand in the back. Praise God. God hears your heart. And he's inviting you to walk with him. Now, Lord, right now, I just continue praying. If there's anyone here this morning who they know they've been saved, but maybe they've backslidden. Maybe your voice has grown cold in their heart. And this morning, they just want to reconnect with you. Lord, you hear their voices as they're saying yes to you. Just as you're sitting there right now, if that's you and you know you've grown cold, grown cold to the presence of God and you want to start walking with him again, just between your heart and him, you don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to raise your hand. Just talk to the Lord. God, I need you. God, I want to get close to you. God, thank you for waiting on me. Help me to wait on the things that you have for me. Show me your power. Show me your presence, God. Help me in this new year that's coming to walk with you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this room this morning. Thank you for lives that you're touching. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. 